first off, uh, you just released a song. It's a vicious cycle. Uh, can you walk us through the inspiration for that track, uh, where that track came from? Okay. So I really, I really like the song musician by Porter Robinson. Like, mm. I was like, I should make a song like this. And then I was like, <laughs> I made a song like this and here we are. <laughs> you know, it's a very valid reason to create a track. I totally understand that. Um, so, uh, although you didn't, although you didn't drop any solo music in that period, uh, you certainly kept yourself busy with, uh, production on, uh, Tropes' recent EP. You produced, uh, the entirety of it. Uh, so, uh, can you walk us through how that project, uh, came to fruition? Yeah, so, Tropes, I think it was, like, in April, I think Tropes asked me for, like, an indie beat. Mm-hmm. And the first, the first beat I sent him was Token Eye. Mm. And then they were, like... And then they made that, and then they sent it to me. And originally, mm-hmm. I was going to be on it, but, like, I don't really record that much. Mm-hmm. So I was just, like, I was, like, if I can, I can. Mm-hmm. But then they were, like, okay, send me another. So I, then I think the sec- the next one I made was, the next one I made was My Last Dream. And mm-hmm. then, wait, no, 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 no. The, the, the beat from My Last Dream is actually from a cover on Expect Wikipedia that I made a couple mm-hmm. months ago. Really? Yeah. So I think if I think it's still up. So I think if you play like the the Onyx cover, it's on my second account, I think. And mm-hmm. then you play My Last Dream and they're like the same they're like the same beat. That's really fascinating. Wow. <laughs> and then the third beat was the what we had is dead, that one. That was the second beat that they wanted me to send them. And then I think the, and like the last one the a reason why beat which is like i think the biggest song right now mm-hmm. like on the ep it was like like a couple days before it dropped and like trust like dm me in a hurry there's like hey quick can you make can you make me a beat that sounds like jealous by i dress and i was like okay i'll try <laughs> right yeah they were just like i need one more i need one more and then you got to you whipped it up for him real quick yeah and then it's like i need more than a reason why <laughs> That's funny, funny. All right. Um, and then the, you mentioned there that you actually had a track that you were actually intended to hop on and like something that uh, seems to happen all the time to like my producer friends is they'll be like working on like a project or a track for like one other, for like a different person. And then halfway through creating it, they'll realize like, shit, I kind of want to hop on this. Like, I really like this a lot. I kind of want to hop on this. Has that ever happened to you with any tracks in the past? Or? Yeah. You know what's funny for mm-hmm. the, uh, if it, this is like way, way back. Do you remember uh, the Roblox core? Right, yeah. <laughs> the the original the original song was I think mm-hmm. uh, just supposed to be Dolly and Dolly and Delta, mm-hmm. and then because we were it was like me Dolly Delta and Lou in this group chat, and we all just like Dolly sent the she sent the beat in the chat, and I think she sent the open, mm-hmm. and I don't know who it was intended for, so I just made a verse on it out of like impulse, and then like <laughs> she she just kept it, and then Lou also made a verse. Mm-hmm. and Adele's also made a verse, and then that happened. But I think, aside from that, that hasn't really happened, no. Oh, really? That's interesting. Uh, and, like, uh, you mentioned, like, Lou, Dolly, all those people, um, and, like, in recently, Tropes has been your most recent collaborator, but uh, they've been far from just the only people that you've worked with in the past. You've uh, lent production credits to any, everyone from, like, Finland's to Midwest. Uh, so I'm wondering, like, how has working with such a wide variety of artists, like, influenced the way that you approach making music? I think... Cause I try to like do my, I try to do my own thing every time, but I also try to like do something that's like 
that similar like similar to like stuff that they release. So it's like when when Edgar was like send me a beat for the for the graved up song, I was like, let me like do a little antagonist type beat, but also like put like I guess like a little like you know Edgar spin on it too. Right, and that's then, really yeah. That's how the beat came to be. <laughs> that's really fascinating. Uh, on a completely different note, uh, in doing research on you, I found a lot of really inf interesting information, but I also stumbled upon the fact uh, that you are a fan of hot sauce on bagels. And, uh, you know, as a messenger of the public, um, I'm here to give you an opportunity to defend yourself on that. Why would you ever suggest something like that? <laughs> I, this happened, this, this interest in hot sauce on bagels started very recently because I remember like I came home from school and usually I like I like eat a bagel when I come home from school but like mm -hmm. we were out of cream cheese so mm -hmm. I went to I went to look for like an alternative and I was like hmm let me try hot sauce and a bagel and then it just it ended up being so good mm -hmm. in my opinion <laughs> that's my that's how that's how all that's how all like unique foods uh, come about it's just like hmm we're out of one or it's time to substitute with something else any particular hot sauces for that or uh, just like Tabasco sauce. Mm, okay, fair enough, fair enough. Um, and then, uh, and then, uh, going to uh, going back to the project that a lot of people uh, know you for, Teen Week. Uh, with any debut release, there's bound to be a lot of like unknowns. So I'm wondering, what expectations did you have going into the release of Teen Week? I think I'm not exactly sure because, like, I remember, like, statistically wise, I wanted to do like. 10,000 on album day. That was the goal mm -hmm. to do 10,000 on SoundCloud on album day. Mm -hmm. And then it ended up doing like way more than 10,000. I was like, what? Yeah. And then streaming wise, I was like, even I was streaming wise, I was even more surprised because like before, before Teen Week, like my streaming, my streaming audience was like very small. Mm -hmm. And I think, I think what, what had a lot to do with it was like, rate your music the website right yeah because... they fell in love with you because pitchfork huh <laughs> no I, it was that and then i think like because i think all my friends were like rating the album on rate your music so then eventually like it got it got placed in like for like the first week it was like number seven oh wow on, on for the year i mean it's not number seven anymore it's like number like 300 something but still mm -hmm. i'm like the fact that like it's even charted is still really cool yeah, no, that's insane. It's interesting to see how, like, even something like, like, write your music can influence, like, an album's trajectory to such an extent. And yeah. then, and then, like, uh, going back to, you know, like, the Pitchfork review, Teen Week really was, like, a release that was, like, impossible to ignore. I remember, like, the week that it launched, everybody was tweeting, like, hashtag Teen Week, and then, like, word of it even got around to, like, Anthony Fantano, and he watched it on, yeah. like, the New Music Friday stream. So, I'm wondering, like, how did such, like, an overwhelming response to the album affect you? That it was like it almost kind of didn't feel real in the sense where it was like where it's like you know this is like this is my time mm -hmm. like that that day it was like this is my time this is my day and i was like <laughs> i was surprised because normally i'm like because especially because like i i entered the scene as like a fan mm -hmm. and now i'm like now like, like that was like my day that was like my time to shine mm-hmm it's kind of like a change in like status, I guess. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like a it's like a role reversal. I think a lot of people can sort of speak to that. Like I remember when I when I talked to Juno, they also referenced the fact that like they just came in just being a fan of the music, and then you know like just something like something snapped, and then all of a sudden they're on the same level with a lot of the people that they maybe idolized to be getting out. Yeah, um, definitely. And then uh, with Team Week being such a project that covers so many different bases, both stylistically and then also like thematically, um, I'm wondering what were some of your biggest influences going into the project. Definitely uh, Porter Robinson. Mm-hmm. Qu- Quinn was a very big influence on the album. Wells. Um, I think the, the, the chord progression on Beast Friend was inspired by Jealous by I Dress. Mm-hmm. And then I think 17 or the first draft of 17 was inspired by must be nice by Quinn. And then there's a there's a part that like never surfaced or like I posted a snippet on Twitter but it's probably down now. Where like the I posted a version with like drums on it and that part's inspired by pessimist by curtains. Hmm. And then so I, I and then I just scrapped out the drums. I like sometimes I wonder like if I dropped it with drums, like would it get like the same reception as it hmm. like did? That's really fascinating yeah, to think about how like a slight tweak in it could result in like such a different reaction from an audience. And then what's also interesting is that like you mentioned you got a lot of inspiration from people in the scene. Like when I talked to like Raygun, for example, they just listed a bunch of like indie pop artists, a lot of people that a lot of people outside of the scene. But it's interesting to hear that you drew inspiration from people that are now like your like peers, essentially. Yeah, um, it's really cool. Mm-hmm. And then uh, uh, with a release as layered as Teen Week, I can imagine that sometimes dif- it was sometimes difficult to pinpoint uh, when you could like consider a track like finished and like ready to go and like ship it off. So I'm wondering like how do you draw the line on when a track is finished and say like okay this is done? I think I think it really just like depends on like how like often I like keep pressing the the play button because <laughs> especially because like when I was working on like Teen Week. Like when I first started, I was, I was like not. It really just depended on like the songs I like wasn't going back to because like, I would like listen to it at school. Like I would listen to like the rough draft at school, like or like even with like songs that like I haven't dropped yet or like songs in the past that I didn't drop or like that I dropped now. Like I would listen to them at school, and I like I think I would just like judge it based on like the replay value. That's really interesting. Something that I've heard, I forget who told this to me, but I think it's a really good quote. Something that I've heard about about music, about pretty much any artistic creation in general is that like the things you create don't get released, they escape. It's just sort of like eventually you decide that like, yes, this is good to go and then you put it out into the world. Yeah. And then uh, before you get to Teen Week, um, I'm sure you'd have to spend years developing your sound, figuring out what works best for you. Uh, so I'm wondering, like, how do you look back on your music from maybe the beginning, from like the beginning of your career to like maybe even like a year ago? I'm, I think I have like music on. I don't know if I can find like I don't know if I can find my old phone, mm-hmm. but I had like I started on like GarageBand on hmm. like or like I started like. Well, cause the thing is, I like started on like my iPod from like the 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 iMachine app, but like I started like actually like putting stuff on SoundCloud on like, my on like my phone mm-hmm. in like GarageBand. But like looking, I mean, considering like it's GarageBand, it's actually pretty good. But like mm-hmm. obviously, it's like not as good in like retrospect to like mm-hmm. stuff. But, like even even when I like think of stuff like 
like, or like when I go back to old project files from like a year ago and I see that like, I was like, oh, I did this this way or like, oh, I put these plugins on the track. And it's like, oh, I, I wouldn't have done that like now. I don't know. I think like my production style is like always like stayed somewhat similar, but I think I'm just like more refined version mm -hmm. of like what I intended in the beginning. Right. Yeah. I feel like that's like something I've heard a lot is that like maybe things haven't necessarily taken in it like a complete shift, but more so it's just a more precise version of like maybe what your old work was more a more muddy version of what you have now. Yeah, um, definitely. Yeah. And I got to know, uh, are there any are there any projects, any tracks, anything from like way, way, way back when that make you grimace now? Anything like that's like make you cringe or anything like that or no? Not going to lie. I think some of the songs on Teen Week kind of or like some like some of the songs on scene like i just cannot listen to anymore like really i can't i can't like i can't listen to this four-year cartridge anymore or like wow sometimes i can't listen to let down but like let let down's like i don't know there were like mm. i don't know some songs that like or like any of my music from like before my song with like fraxium i like don't touch Really? That's really fascinating. I mean, personally, I think Cartridge is like one of my favorite tracks off of the entire album. So it's really interesting to hear you say that. Um, on a uh, on a similar note, um, everyone uh, is going to experience their fair share of like, you know, underwhelming response when they're just starting out. Uh, and I can imagine it's easy to lose motivation when like maybe you put a track out and it's not performing as well as you would have liked. Uh, so what did you do to keep yourself motivated when things weren't looking up for you when you're just starting out? Well, I think what I already what i already did before like because i already had like a set of friends that i just like made music with but like i think i was just like kept consistently collaborating with like my friends like over and over and like that's another thing i think and at least like my advice to like not like quote unquote blowing up but like my <laughs> advice to like getting a fan base is just like to keep dropping when, when like when you're smaller like you need to drop like a lot music mm -hmm. and then like i think like as as you like get more and more like followers i think like you drop like less often mm -hmm. but like <clears throat> i don't know i think that that just works for me because like like around a like, year ago i was dropping like once every like <clears throat> sorry you're totally <laughs> like, fine don't worry about it once every like I, I used to drop like once every like two weeks or like twice a month and now i like obviously i drop like way less often than that mm-hmm Right, because I mean, when you're just starting out, you have a lot more to prove. You don't have like a, like the goodwill built up with people where it's like, who's this delete Zeke guy? I don't know who this is. Like, I, it just it's I like you you have you have to build up like a reputation. But then once you have the reputation, you can afford to maybe take a couple months off and then release some tracks from there. Yeah, uh, it's really interesting to hear that because like, I wouldn't be saying this. Li I'm not saying this lightly. Literally, everybody I've talked to, whether it be like avid or midwest or eric or juno they've like all they're all in like unanimous agreement that you are one of the most talented people they've ever met um i think juno said it pretty well uh when they said like you make it look easy and um i can imagine i can imagine being told that like so frequently would have an effect on you so i'm wondering do you ever feel like a sense of like imposter syndrome like i'm not exactly like sure because there's there's definitely like stuff that i've made that like i don't like there's definitely like it, like not not every song you like make or like not every beat you make is gonna like be a hit but mm -hmm. like i think what i like to do is i like to i like to revisit stuff 
and I also like I sample a lot. Mm-hmm. So I think maybe like or like if I can't like if I can't like make a sound or like if I'm like in serum and I don't know how to make a sound, I think I just like I like chop up a sample instead. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's really interesting. And I think uh, I think a major part of the reason why you're praised uh, so much as you are is the fact that you handle pretty much like every aspect of your production yourself, whether it be like production itself or mixing, vocals, everything. Uh, so I'm wondering, like, what makes you what made you want to become sort of like a jack of all trades uh, and what advantages and disadvantages do you think uh, come along with it? I think the reason why I like do everything myself or like at least the reason why I, I like started out doing everything by myself is because I was like I was too scared to ask for help. <laughs> like I was like, or like I like, or like I was like too scared to like ask someone like, hey, can you hop on this song? Or like, can you like, hey, can I like get a beat from you? Or like stuff like that. And I was already like I was already like pretty experienced in like making beats, so it's just like I could just like self prod. But mixing has definitely come a long way and i recommend don't get other people to mix your songs mix mix your own songs yourself so then you learn how to mix mm-hmm. i mean obviously if you're in, if you're in like a, if you're like with a professional engineer that's like that's different obviously but like right. for like the time being if you're like a smaller artist I, like i recommend like you learn how to mix so then like when the time comes and the your favorite person you hit up your favorite your favorite person you hit up to mix your songs like isn't there like it's like you're gonna learn how so then mm-hmm. They'll be like, I can do this now. Mm-hmm. Right, for sure. Uh, and then, of course, uh, you know, with managing every individual like element of your music yourself, um, I've got to wonder if there are any other like aspects you're looking to dip, dip your toes into. Like, have you ever wanted to like maybe whip up your own album artwork, maybe like a film score? Or can we expect anything like that in the future? I definitely I want to make a f- film score, but uh, not not in like not in like near future because I want to mm-hmm. wait until I have like. Because I want, like, to make a film score and a movie. Or, like, mm. a movie that, like, accompanies a film score. Mm-hmm. And I want I want it to be, like, kind of like a horror movie. But, like, mm. I don't know. That's, that's for, like, that's for, like, when I'm, like, 35. And, like, <laughs> like, the distant future, right, yeah. Yeah. Okay. But, like, for now, I mean, I, I would take like if i were to make another album i would want to like probably get someone else to take the photo for me because like mm. the, the teen week cover art was just like taken on my phone in my backyard but, oh like, really okay yeah so i definitely want to like if there were to be another album i would want to like somebody to take a picture for me instead of just like or like someone to just like you know hold the camera and i'm like <laughs> somewhere else right I mean, uh, it's interesting that you mentioned the Teen Week um, album artwork because, like, honestly, like, I think I think the importance of album artwork is often, like, pretty understated when it comes to projects and stuff like that. And honestly, like, I checked out Teen Week partly because of, like, the, the album artwork. It was just, I don't know what it was about it that was so striking to me. It just sort of gave me, like, a really interesting feeling. And I think it summarizes a lot of the sort of atmosphere of the album in general. But uh, you mentioned that you want to make like a like a movie accommodating um, uh, like one an album someday uh, with a release as large as Teen Week. Uh, you'd expect like maybe like a music video or two to accompany it. Um, but you've yet to include any any visuals alongside the album. So I'm wondering, like, uh, do you have plans for music videos in the future? If I feel like when I get to like if I when I get to a spot where like <clears throat> I don't have to like worry about like 
it's like I don't have to like ask to go somewhere or like I don't have to like you know I don't have to like schedule to go a place I could just like go a place once I get to like that status I feel like it's gonna be a lot easier mm-hmm. to like make like music videos and just like visuals and stuff like that because mm-hmm. like for like for now like I would just like I don't know because I feel like right now I'm kind of like limited when it comes to space that I have and especially because like if there were to be a music video for one of the Teen Week songs, it would be Woodside Gardens. And hmm. I wanted, I can like envision it being like so just like laid out. And I'm like, I do not have the money for this. <laughs> not like, I do yeah. not have the money to plan out what I want to plan out. So I want to For, for the out, time like, being, for the time being, but soon. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, a, I'm crossing my fingers for like an overcast video someday. I think that would be a really, really awesome. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, next, I gotta ask something that uh, hits close to home because uh, we're about the same age. You're 17, correct? Yeah, I'm 17. Right, so we're the same age, and whenever people our age uh, see artists like you achieve such incredible things, there's usually like two schools of thought that people fall into. Uh, a lot of people look at where you started and where you are, where you're at now, and they think like, "Holy shit! If they can do it, then I can do it." But unfortunately, like a lot of people um, look at artists like you, and they think like wow, I'm, like, never going to make something as good as, like, you know, whether it be, like, Teen Week or It's a Vicious Cycle or whatever the case may be. So I'm wondering, what would you say to somebody who's maybe in that, like, you know, down, like, they're feeling down because they're comparing themselves to artists such as you? I'm not I'm not the best at giving advice because, like, mm-hmm. I mean, like, I, I low-key, like, did the same when I, like, when I, or, like, when I was, like, young, like, younger and I was, like, oh, I'm... I'm never going to make an album as good as Worlds by Porter Robinson mm-hmm. and like stuff like that. But like, I think the the key is to just like, tr- like, I don't know. I don't want to say like, oh, just, just keep trying and you'll succeed. But like, mm-hmm. I don't know. It, it, it gets better with time. Like, you can't really. Well, the, the thing with music is like, you technically like, you, you can get better overnight because it's kind of like you're stuck in this like plateau of like production skills and like let's say like you learn like one skill or like let's say you like you download like one plugin and then like all of a sudden you go up here because you downloaded that one plugin or something like that but like oh no it's all that's how that's how i view it but like everyone produces differently yeah, I think it's all just down to like, you know, being yourself because obviously like there's all there's so many different people whether it be, you know, like People like Eliado coming into the scene and, you know, making music that's just like for the widest common denominator and whatnot and like trying to do something like that. Just you have to be yourself and then maybe push yourself outside your outside your boundaries every once in a while. That's the sort of the tactic that I've seen work best for people. Um, yeah. But but uh, having to having the whole scene operate online has a lot of advantages. Uh, but seeing this, I guess, like like world intersect with reality uh, can be really, really odd. Sometimes, like, for example, like Glaive recently had his had his face like plastered on a billboard. And that like made a lot yeah, of people I on saw Twitter. It. Yeah, that made a lot of people That's do like so like a, like a, like a holy shit. Like it's it's weird to see the like that world like intersect with reality. Uh, and I understand um, you had you recently had those two worlds collide when a classmate wrote about Fifty Two Blue Mondays. Uh, could you walk us through that situation and what happened there? Yeah, that happened like I think last week because it was like I was in I was in first period and the teacher like calls me down to the office and then or like the teacher like says like oh you have to go to the office 
or something like that. And then it was like, I went to the office and they were like, oh, the guidance counselor wants you. And then she was like, the guidance counselor's like, oh, you're not in trouble. Can, like, they're just like, I just want to see how you're doing because um, a student of ours said that they wrote a project about a song that you wrote. And we just want to see if you're okay because the lyrics in here are quite questionable or something like that. <laughs> yeah. Jeez. It's always like that, like, uh, like rap lyrics being used as like things and like, like documents and like court and stuff like that. It's just, it's a song. It's not like necessarily indicative, but yeah, that's uh that's really interesting. Um, and the decision, um, from what I can gather, you're keeping mostly like your online and I guess we could call like your IRL life separate. And I, and I, that's like, I can totally understand that, uh, the reasoning behind that, but I'm wondering what sort of difficulties have you encountered in trying to keep those two worlds separate? At first I wanted to like promote my music and then I realized like they're not gonna like or accept you so then mm -hmm. I was like so then I wanted to just like keep it online for mm -hmm. the time being and then I was like so that, that was for like the first year or so and then when I got when I first got added to the hyperhop playlist in October mm -hmm. like the song with Frax mm -hmm. I was like oh maybe I should like put this on my story and then I did and then my sister was like oh what song is it <laughs> And then that was like the first like like the first like break in the boundary mm -hmm. between like in real life and online. Mm -hmm. And then when I got like when I got the the lyrical lemonade article for for fifty two blue Mondays, I put that I put that on my Snapchat story. And then mm -hmm. I was like, as soon as I put it on my Snapchat story, I like I thought to myself, wait, your relatives follow you, in like <laughs> all of your school. Everyone you know at school follows you on Snapchat. And mm. I just, I instantly deleted it. Mm. Okay. And then I think besides that, I think it's because the main reason why like my IRLs, I found my music is because the Instagram I've used for like, like the Insta, like the Instagram I currently use is like the same Instagram I've been using since like 2018. So like mm -hmm. I checked because what I did is like, when I started to, when I started to like get more followers, like when I started to like switch, when I started to switch from like being a like basic personal Instagram account to like a music account, I like, I made a fake Instagram account and like, mm -hmm. I follow all of my like relatives and all of my school, like all of my IRLs on like on that account. Mm -hmm. So I, I, and with that, I just, I checked how many IRLs follow like my current Instagram and like there were like 12 IRLs that followed it and I, like, I got so worried. Mm -hmm. But then I was like, oh, but you have like, because at the time I had like, tw like 1500 followers. So I was like, oh, that's not that bad. He'll right. be fine. And then it was just like a couple months, like silence, I think. And then in January, my, like someone, someone comes up to me and then they were like, I heard that song you produced for Tropes and Pitfall. And I was like, hmm. how do you know who Tropes and Pitfall are? <laughs> Or like something like that and that was like that was in like january and then and then again it stays like quiet and then a month no not a month like two weeks ago someone snapchatted me and they were like i've heard your name been going around and like all around the internet and like in publications and stuff and they're like keep up the good work and i was like oh thanks <laughs> so that was like it's kind of surreal because like i expected like them to not 
like my music mm-hmm. at all because like i live in like a small town you know filled with like locals mm-hmm. everyone is the same really i didn't think they'd like you know they like the music that i like mm-hmm. but here we are Right. I mean, like, that's one of the advantages of, like, this scene blowing up to such an extent. It's, like, kind of, like, just, it's, like, reaching out in, like, so many different communities. It seems like, like, I, th- I think, again, back to something that Juno said. Juno said that, like, hyperpop is in the mouth of, like, everybody up from, like, A&Rs in the industry down to, like, just random people on the street. So I think, I think it's, it's, it's really nice to have, like, sort of interactions like that with people that you wouldn't expect to maybe be fans of, like, the music they create, but end up being on. Um, and like, uh, you mentioned, like, of course, like having a fun interaction like that, it's, it's easy to focus on like maybe the negative interactions. Cause there's, I mean, for as amazing as this community is, there are like quite a handful of weirdos in it. Um, but, uh, there's also a lot of really amazing people and, uh, just like an interaction like that, uh, there's some really like awesome interactions to be had. So I'm wondering what have been some of your like favorite events, favorite like interactions you've had with fans online so far? I think my, f- one of my favorite interactions was like... I think when Baby Goyard DM'd me and he was like, send me a beat like Beast Friend. I haven't yet, but like, mm. I, I definitely, I definitely plan on it. Cause I was like, cause I, I love Baby Goyard. Mm-hmm. And I was like, and I didn't, I didn't know that he like liked the scene mm-hmm. like that. So I was like, wait. <laughs> and then, what's it called? Another funny interaction, probably when like, Probably when like Quinn first followed me on Twitter, because I think it was like right after my birthday, and mm. it was like right after I like dropped the song with Fraxium, I think. Mm. And it was like it was so weird because like I I sometimes have a hard time like pinpointing like what like what actually is like my breakout song because like mm-hmm. there's there was like the song with Frax which to. To this day, I still don't understand how that song came to be because I had like <laughs> I had six hundred SoundCloud followers at the time, mm-hmm. and then there's that, and then there's there's what's my age again, which like everybody knows for the the Twitter snippet, mm-hmm. and then there was there was me, mm-hmm. and Quinn posted that on her story, and that's like partially how it like got to where it was, mm. and then there was Woodside Gardens and mm-hmm. Fifty Two Blue Mondays, which like are the two singles. So I'm like, I don't know which one of those was like the the breakout single. But I think, oh no, the, the crazy, the crazy moment is when, definitely when Quinn posted my song on her story. Mm-hmm. Especially because like I looked up to, I, I still look up to Quinn so like so much. Mm-hmm. But like at the time we were like, we didn't really know each other. So I was like, what? <laughs> the Osquin likes my music. The cat mother. <laughs> the cat mother. Yeah, no. The I think. Cat I think. Mother? Yeah, I think a lot of people look up to. I think like universally, I, I've yet to meet somebody that doesn't look up to Quinn like immensely because, like, they really have just like helped birth this scene. They really have had like so much influence on the scene. I think. I think they're like a really, really respectable figure. So it makes sense. I can imagine getting like a repost from them would be like a holy shit moment. Um, yeah, definitely. And then, like, uh, on the topic of your online presence, uh, with all of the, like, horrific, horrible shit that's been happening in Palestine recently, we've seen the discussion on what 
creators, specifically in this scene, um, what their responsibility is. If they have a platform, what responsibility they have to spread information or aid services or whatever the case may be. Uh, so I'm wondering, what responsibility do you feel people in your position have to speak on topics such as that? I mean, what I, what I do is like, I, I repost a lot of stuff on Twitter like that is like informational about like, not just like the stuff that like happens in Palestine, but I also like, I also retweet like donation stuff and like GoFundMe's and stuff. And I feel, I feel like if you, if you have a platform, like use it, especially in like a time like this where like everyone, you like, like they need to know what's happening or like the things every at this point, I think like everybody knows what's happening, but I feel like the, like the donation funds and like the, the GoFundMe's and like the, not so much the petitions, but like stuff where it's like you can actually do something and like, you know, like take action on something rather than just spreading awareness. Because I, I think that's more important like now, because mm -hmm. like I said, like everybody, everybody knows what's going on now, but like, what are you going to do now? Right. So I think like, yeah, action, we should start like encouraging to spread action rather than just awareness. Right. Yeah. I think it was really, really inspiring to see the way that like the scene kind of like came together because like a lot of issues, a lot of like a lot of issue, a lot of people have with activism in that realm is performative stuff, like just simply being like, uh -huh, here's a petition or whatever and nothing else. But I think it was really, really inspiring to see like just like a wave of people be like, hey, here's what you need to do. Here's the educational resources you need. Here's like some places to donate to. It was really, really awesome to see that come out. Um, and then, um, back to, back to the topic of, of teen week. Um, I can imagine, uh, now is a pretty good time for you to be, because, you know, trying to keep the two worlds separate. Um, I can imagine now is a pretty good time for you to be, I guess, quote unquote, blowing up. Uh, so, uh, now that you're, because I believe you're graduating soon. Are you headed off to college or? Yeah. The thing is I'm like, okay, so I have like one month left of school. Like I graduate mm -hmm. on like June 23rd, I think. Hmm. And then. Like, um, I don't really want to go to college because I feel like sc school is just such a waste of time. Like, just mm. for, like, creatives in general, like, school is just, like, not it. That's mm. my opinion. Right. If Fair you enough. Want, if yeah, you no, I to, totally get that. If you, if you want to go to school, go for it. But, like, mm -hmm. that's not that's not for me. Right. But I'm, I am going to college. I don't know mm -hmm. for how long because right. let's let's hope. Let's, let's, let's cross our fingers mm -hmm. that I guess something happens. Mm -hmm. But for now, yeah, I'm right. going to college. And then uh, do you have any plans on studying maybe like audio engineering or anything like that in college or? I thought about it and then I like talked to people at the college I was going to and I'm like, wait, this sounds lame. <laughs> so I'm just, un I'm, I'm just undecided right now. Right. No, that's, that, that totally makes sense. I think, um, I think through stuff like, you know, YouTube tutorials and whatnot, I think pretty much every single creative realm has been democratized to the point that like, like you don't know what you don't know, obviously, but like, I think for the most part, like 95% of what you can learn at like maybe film school or audio and audio engineering course you can find online for free. Yeah. Um, and then like, uh, on the topic of having like such a promising career at, at such a young age, it seems like every day we're seeing more and more like 14, 15, 16, 17 year olds, uh, like kickstart that dream of becoming like a self-sufficient artist, um, through platforms like such as like DistroKid and whatnot. Uh, but of course the problem there is that 14, 15, 16, 17 year olds are now being handed like not insignificant amounts of money. Uh, and you know, I'm financially irresponsible as hell. If I got like a distro kid check, I'd probably spend it all on like Valorant skins or something. So I'm wondering, uh, what sort of steps have you taken to ensure that you're like responsible with what you earn? Well, I mean, like, I don't really, I don't really spend that much money on like clothes. 
Well, because I mean, like, for the most part, I mean, I've definitely been buying more clothes now than I have, like, before, when I wasn't getting as much, like, because the, things, the, the team we check is coming this month. The team we check has not come yet. Oh, really? Okay. <laughs> the team we check has not come yet, but I've definitely been a little more frivolous with my spending when it comes to, like, merch. Because, like, 90% of my clothes are merch. Hmm. I'm, wearing, I'm wearing my Porter Robinson shirt right now. Oh, really? That's awesome. But, Is like, that for nurture or what? Nurture, yeah. Okay. But before that, like, a lot of my clothes are just, like, stuff I've worn since, like, freshman year. Mm-hmm. Stuff like that. But what I do to ensure that, like, I don't, like, have not enough money, but I also don't have, like, let's put it, I don't know, just to make sure, like, everything's in balance when I do... Mm-hmm get like my like district checks and like my soundcloud checks i there you go to my paypal and then i transfer half of it to my checking account and then half of it to my paypal so like this way it's like somewhat in a balance mm-hmm. of some sort and then when i like save up enough money on either end i want to like my goal is to get a car because hmm. like i mean like, i have my license but like i keep using like my parents car for everything i don't want to have to keep asking them right you know, I don't want to have to like, cause like, you know, what if they have to use their car? So mm-hmm. I was like, you know, I could just get myself a car and then the problem would be solved. And then, or the second option is I save up lots and lots of money and I get a place to live hmm. because I've always, I've always wanted to get an apartment mm-hmm. ever since I was like 13, 14. I've always wanted to like not settle down. Cause like <laughs> I'm 17, I'm not going to settle down. Like, right. But, like, I've always wanted to just, like, chill out in an apartment. Because mm-hmm. yeah. I've been like, yeah, it would be cool to live in a big house, but, like, I don't know. What would you do in all those rooms? Mm-hmm. Especially if you're, if you're, like, living by yourself. Like, mm-hmm. what are you going to do with all that space? Yeah, I've never like, un- yeah, I've never understood people that, like, get at, like, huge-ass houses. That, like, like, a one-bedroom apartment, I feel like, is, like, more than enough. Or, like, maybe, like, one bedroom in an office or whatever. Um, I, think it's, I think those are very, very financially responsible goals to be going for, shooting for, like, a car and, a, and an apartment, uh, considering I feel like a lot of people, a lot of people our age would just be like, oh, I'm going to buy a bunch of, like, I'm going to buy Dior, I'm going to buy Jays, I'm going to buy all sorts of shit and stuff. So I think, I think that's a very, very responsible way to go. Uh, and then, of course, another way that artists in the scene are going to be making money, uh, pretty soon is live shows like uh, a topic that's and that's a topic that's popped back up now that both glaive and eric are set to perform at the lyrical lemonade summer smash um yeah that's and, crazy yeah and i can imagine for them it's going to be like i can imagine it's going to be in really real i think intimidating is an understatement when i say like walking out to a crowd of like twenty thousand plus people and performing live for the first time in like over a year um so i'm wondering like what is your attitude towards potentially performing live someday do you have any anxiety towards it like I feel like just thinking about it gets me anxious, kind of, because, like, mm-hmm. especially because, like, sometimes I, like, sometimes I, like, I, like, ask my sister, like, hey, do you want to go to the drive-thru? Like, do you want to, like, go order something from the drive-thru? And, like, sometimes I don't even, like, I don't even want to do that because I don't want to have to, like, talk to the drive-thru. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, like, or, like I don't want to have to, like, yeah, I don't want to, ha- I don't want to have to, like, interact with, like, anyone or, like, something like that. <laughs> I mean, that that sounds, like, really stupid, but I don't know. I just get, I just get like, anxious over, like, the smallest little thing so i feel like either if i were to like perform over like if i were to perform for like a giant crowd i feel like one there are like two roads it could go down like the first road it would be like it would my anxiety would just like shut down and i just would technically like not be in the moment but like Mm -hmm. or the second option where i was just like 
freeze. Like I can envision myself just like freezing. It's like I've d- I've done that in like circumstances before where I've gotten like so anxious where it's like my legs just like tense up and I just freeze. Mm-hmm. But like that's common. But like I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I can totally, totally get it. I don't think, I think it's perfectly valid to, like, talk about, like, you know, like, going to, like, the drive through and stuff like that. I've dealt with, like, I think a lot of people in the scene of general have dealt with, like, a lot of, like, horrible, horrible anxiety. So I can totally, totally get that. Um, but I got to say, uh, a Delete Zeke live performance sounds like a pretty uh, electrifying way to spend an afternoon. Uh, but as the scene uh, inevitably grows through things like live shows, I'm sure the use of, like, blanket terms to describe, like, music within it is only going to become more common. Uh, so I'm wondering, how do you feel about terms, like, such as, like, hyperpop being used to define your music? I don't hate it. I mean, I don't I don't mind it. Like, I mean, like, do I, do, do I prefer being called, well, it's okay. I don't know, because I feel like I make, like, all kinds of stuff. There's definitely, like, Teen Week, like, there's drum and bass, and then there's, like, EDM, and then there's quote-unquote hyperpop, mm-hmm. and then there's, like, some ambient parts. I don't know. I would say, if we're talking about, like, the father of all umbrella terms, I say just electronic music, but, like, mm-hmm. but teaching myself how to play the guitar mm. so you can expect... You can expect some guitars mm. in the future. Right. Yeah, that's really interesting. How have you found uh, like teaching yourself the guitar so far? It's quite hard. But <laughs> I can imagine. Yeah. <laughs> I, I've I've always had a guitar in the house, but none. No one in my family is a musician. We just have a random guitar in the house. <laughs> like I found it. I found it downstairs next to a cabinet. And like it's always been there. Like ever since I like lived in this house it's like it's always just been there next to a cabinet and like people would like occasionally just pick it up and go like and just play like a bunch like a myriad of wrong notes but like i feel like especially recently with like because there there's just so many things you can do with a guitar so i was like why not utilize the guitar in my music especially because mm-hmm. all the guitars i've been using like all of, all of the guitars I've been using as of May 14th, I want to say, it has been just fake guitars. Hmm. And then I made, was it, when was, yeah, the 14th, that was a Friday. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I made, last Friday, I made my first song with real guitars. Hmm. And what i've found myself doing is like i can play like one note at a time or like i get to drum like dum 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 and mm-hmm. then i can play a different note or like we like or another layer will be like dum 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 like a di- <laughs> student like different notes and then you can layer them on top of each other and like do a chord progression almost cuz that's it's technically cheating but like i don't know <laughs> if works for me <laughs> I mean, there are no rules in hyperpop, so I mean, you can do whatever you want. Yeah, um, and I mean, like, I don't know if you could see it, but like that back there, um, I'm not, ab- I'm not ashamed to admit, um, uh, I got that guitar like it was like donated from like a family member like a year ago, and I'm not ashamed to admit the only song I've ever learned how to play on it is uh, "Save That Shit" by Lil Peep. Literally two notes, and that's it for the entire the entire thing. So, um, 
but uh, no matter how many artists, uh, new artists you discover, it always seems like there's always like a hundred popping up like every every more that, like every day that you haven't that you wish you heard earlier. Uh, so if you could pick a handful of people to put our listeners onto right now, who would you pick? Quanic, definitely Quanic. That's Quanic with uh, with three N's for anybody listening. With three N's, I yeah, always that, that, got, that always that always got me messed up. But yeah, three N's. I always spell it with two N's. <laughs> I don't know if you guys know who Sadrist is, but they're kind of they're pretty big like they're big on soundcloud but like mm-hmm. they're like one of my favorite producers ever mm-hmm. they're pretty like they're pretty big on soundcloud but like i don't know i think they're like from a different community mm-hmm. um oh benoni but mm-hmm. instead of the o it's an x so it's spelled like b-e-n-x-n-i okay thank you for including our pronunciations it's always difficult <laughs> yeah he's very underrated my friend timothy bright he's not in this community but i've just been friends with him for a while and he mm-hmm. deserves a lot more recognition mm-hmm. so yeah timothy bright quantic satirist benoni oh and mason mason infinity from mm-hmm. my collective planet zero mm-hmm. <laughs> mason Ma- the mason infinity right check them out mm-hmm yeah, just about everybody from Planet Zero, I think, uh, Se- deserves deserves a good shout out. Severely yeah. underrated. Mm-hmm. Awesome, awesome. Yeah, I think that's a I think that's a pretty solid five. And then uh, on a similar note, uh, you've collaborated with quite a few people throughout the years, uh, but I can imagine there's still plenty more you want to work with. Uh, so if you could pick a uh, like a few dream collaborators, who would they pick? It could be anybody dead or alive, like uh, Underscores or Porter Robinson. Both. Actually, both, <laughs> both actually, because I okay. love underscores and I love Porter Robinson. Mm-hmm. I want to collab with Arca. I definitely want to collab with Arca. Ooh, yeah, yeah. I want to, I want to collab with Pierre because I, de- I had a whole phase where I was just like making Pierre type beats, <laughs> and like Pierre, Pierre's just like one of my favorite producers ever. I think any producer ever can admit to the fact that that one they went through that stage at one point. Yeah. <laughs> um. Like you said, oh, I want to work with Skrillex one day. Hmm. Because Skrillex, Skrillex was like the the first artist I listened to. Like the first, the first, or like the the first album that I purchased because I didn't know how to pirate stuff when I was little. <laughs> so I was like, "Mom, can I get this album?" And she was like, "Sure, whatever." <laughs> it was Bangarang EP by Skrillex was mm. the first thing I purchased on iTunes. Classic. And then the se- second thing was Spitfire EP mm. by Porter Robinson. And then I feel like who else is like I talk I talked to Omru and he was like, we should make something. And I was like, we should. And we d- we should. We should make something. <laughs> but um let's see. Oh, I don't know if you guys know who I don't know if you guys know who Payday is. But I, I've been friends with Payday for such a long time. And we need, we need to get something in. Me and mm-hmm. Payday, Payday, if you're watching this, <laughs> you know where to find me. They're talking to you, Payday. Come on, but uh, <laughs> but yeah, okay. And I mean, like, uh, I think a Skrillex collaboration is certainly possible now that we know uh, he's a drainer. <laughs> that photo that he posted on Twitter the other day, everybody was talking yeah. about that one. He follows Glaive, I think, hmm. on Instagram. Really? Okay. <laughs> I mean, quite a few people follow. I think uh, Cole Bennett follows Glaive as well. 
But uh, yeah, all right. So uh, finally, uh, you've come a, lot, a really long way in just 2021 alone, and I am beyond confident that you have like a really, really bright future ahead of you. Uh, but uh, I understand you keep a manifestation journal. So if you could pick a few things from it uh, to sort of uh, pin down as one as things you want to accomplish in 2021, what would you pick? Wait, let me actually, let me actually get it real quick. Oh yeah, no sure, that'd be awesome. It's actually a primary composition book. Ooh, of course, of course. Only the highest quality. Blank half page for drawing. Mm-hmm. And Danelian ruled half page inch, half inch with the guidelines for early writers. Ooh, that premium. Oh, for early writers, of course. <laughs> so the very first thing I wrote in this journal was I will become self-sustainable for music. Mm, okay. And then let's see. Um... Some of these are actually kind of personal. <laughs> <Let's see. laughs> um, I put, I will hit a million streams on a song. Mm-hmm. Porter Robinson will follow me on Twitter. <laughs> very, you know, a very valid goal to have. Absolutely. It's possible. It's yeah, possible. Yeah, no, certainly. Absolutely. Considering the trajectory the scene's been on recently and considering, you know, the success you've obtained. Absolutely. I put... I'll hit 200k monthly listeners at some point. Mm -hmm. I have a, I scribbled out Grimes will collab with me. I don't know why I scribbled it out, but I think it has something to do with Elon Musk. <laughs> you know what? Very, very valid. Her on SNL. That was a. Uh, we don't want her anymore. You can, you guys can have her. But um, yeah, no, I like, I like Grimes. But no, Grimes think, is an amazing artist. But uh, yeah, I feel like I feel like being friends with Grimes grants you some sort of like immunity or like when when like let's say like you go over grimes's house and you you leave knowing something that you shouldn't know elon's doing something to her elon's elon's something we got to get her out of there she's doing no something's happening to her think think about this mm -hmm. she made him famous <laughs> exactly exactly he elon musk is nothing without grimes yeah they're going to get divorced in, what, six to nine months, and then, you know, he's just going to suddenly, Tesla stock is suddenly going to drop off the deep end. <laughs> she was simply doing charity work. <laughs> What's interesting is to think is that somehow they're both white, but somehow Elon's managed to gentrify her. I don't know how that managed to happen, but... <laughs> well, because yeah. Elon Musk was like, he was born in South Africa, right? And then mm -hmm. he he basically just fled South Africa during apartheid and just made a bunch of money off of it, which is scummy and bad. Mm -hmm. And then Grimes was just like some creepy little girl, creepy little fairy psychic girl. She's a little gremlin from, from Canada, the lands of Canada. Um, yeah, and somehow, uh, somehow Romeo, soulmates. Romeo and Juliet esque love story. <laughs> a very a modern day, modern day, uh, modern day Romeo and Juliet. All right. <laughs> it's a very, very inspiring story to wrap off the wrap up the interview with. Uh, once again, thank you so much for meeting up with me. I really, really appreciate it. And also, thank you for having me. Of course. I also just noticed the is that a uh, what is that a Nightmare Before Christmas with uh, Totoro pillow in the background? Yeah, I've had that. I've had that pillow since like the sixth grade, I think. Oh my god, that's wonderful. 